Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I'm joined not by one guest, but three. I have the pleasure of Camille, Kelvina and Harini. Welcome. Hi. Hi, thanks for having us. I'm Camille. I study French and Spanish at Donville and Keys College, Cambridge. I'm Kelvina. I study history and politics at the University of Warwick. I'm Harini and I study geography at Hartford College, Oxford. And I've invited all three of these ladies to join me to talk about why they're here and what they've been doing. Having produced a fabulous podcast with them and helped them to get news podcasts out there into this world. So Camille, why don't you tell us what happened and why you came to me to get your podcast off the ground? We originally started with a blog that we set up in sixth form when we were studying together, which is when we met. Uh, discussing feminism and some of the experiences that we'd had with misogyny but also from an academics perspective and we really tried to hit um, all the different aspects that you can take towards women's experiences globally whether that's through politics through history or again just through experiences that a lot of teenage girls go through and we decided to expand it into a podcast that we could reach a greater audience because something that's really important to us is accessibility so that everyone can feel represented uh, which is one of the things that we're most passionate about and something that led us to create news in the first place. And we're really excited. <laughs> it's fantastic. And tell me, Kelvina, what, what did having a podcast out there mean to you? So essentially, I feel like it's a good sort of medium for expressing ourselves, because I think a lot of the time, like Camille said, it's about accessibility. So as much as the blog was very important and, of course, very engaging, it's quite important to also have other mediums like through podcasts and stuff because they are becoming more popular as well at the moment you know everyone and their mom seems to have a podcast so essentially it's about you know engaging more people like as many people as we can so yeah fantastic and Harini what's happened since you've launched the show uh since we've launched the show I think well personally for me I think it's almost been like a journey of healing like it's it's almost like self-awareness and reflection on what feminism means to me and what feminism means to the other girls and I think that's that's what's great about having the podcast it's almost like every week we sit down and we pick a topic and we research it and we rant about it and it's just a good space for us to you know express our emotions and how we feel about the world around us yeah I agree with Harini I think it's been it's been really empowering as well because on the one hand when you have um you can carry a lot of frustration through experiences that have happened in the past and i think it's a really positive way to deal with that and turn it into something more creative because it means that we can discuss with other women who have had similar experiences and similar mindsets and on the other hand as well the more we talk about different topics the more you actually become aware of 
globally other women's experiences that you might not have come across before and we get to think about it more deeply so I think it's just it feels very empowering to be able to to speak and to be taken seriously by the people who listen to us as well. And the podcasting space is an interesting one because you're not recording these from a, a video perspective you're just using your voices what do you think that means in terms of just being heard but not having the distraction of the video content I think that is empowering in itself to just have our voices out there I think that's what we talked about when we started the podcast in the first place about how women's voices need to be empowered and I think the fact that we have singularized the voice and just have that going out I think that is powerful in itself I think especially as young women, I think it would be very easy for people to not take us particularly seriously when we're talking about anything and especially about women's rights. So I think that that's something that makes our podcast a particularly powerful medium, as uh, Calvina was saying earlier, because it means we can sort of be taken away from, from who we are as people. <laughs> if that sounds kind of grim, but just like just the actual content that we're talking about can be taken on its own. And essentially, I also feel like um, it takes away a lot of the judgment that could that we could receive. So, of course, it's natural to judge people based on their appearance. But I feel like when it's just the voice, it kind of makes people focus more on what we're saying, the content of our words, like Karina and Camille just said, rather than, you know, how we look or how we look on that particular day, you know, etc. So covering different topics, and you, you said that you sometimes you start out with a rant and, and that drives you, you know, what angers you? What, what has recently angered you or what's driven you to, to speak about, speak up so much? I think just the fact that every time that you think the fight is over, it's not, to be honest, to summarise it in one sentence. So, for example, at the time that we're filming this currently, just yesterday, everything that's come out in the states with Roe versus Wade potentially being overturned like every time it feels like there's so little left of the journey to go towards gender equality something else happens to make it that much more fragile which I think is not a particularly empowering thing to say but I think it goes to show that you know as women we really need to make sure that we are all engaged with the fight for gender equality um so I think there's there's always something different that's something personally because it's going on at the moment that's brought me a lot of anger there's just there's constantly a different injustice to talk about um but luckily there's also constantly different people fighting for it and I think that it's definitely you know everything's moving in a positive direction um so I think again like that's another thing that's important to do with accessibility is that there are so many so many different experiences so many different voices that need to be heard so I think we're just very proud to be part of a platform that actually elevates those voices and creates that space and you talk about the the different injustices is it a case of sometimes it's at, it's very much at the forefront everyone's championing it and then you, as you say it it can then peter out the energy sort of peters out and then people forget about the fight that is going on and something else will come to the to, to or replace it in terms of the news and people are quite fast paced so what is it about that your podcast that you're going to be able to keep championing the the voices and representing what you want to say I think it's with feminism and, and any other activist struggle, it's very easy to get caught up in the trends and almost like um, performative activism. We saw it with the Black Lives Matter movement where things just go in and out of fashion. But with the podcast, I think, and the topics that we've been picking, it's more individual. We pick things that really interest us and pick things that we also don't know about because the podcast for us is not just a medium of, you know, like Alvina said, being powerful and, you know, empowering women, it's also education. And so for us, we're picking topics that we really want to learn about and that we're interested in. So rather than it being trendy or on topic, even if 
you know, they are struggles that have laid in the past or they're struggles we anticipate maybe in the future. It's just more about research and understanding those for ourselves and raising awareness in that sense. And Kelvina, did you have something that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say also, like, a lot of the time it is true that the personal is political. So I feel like a lot of the issues that we talk about, even though they can be an issue talking about a legal case or we're talking about different legislation that impacts women, it its impact is on every single one of us and a lot of the issues we draw it into are, are personal issues or the issues that our friends are going through. Um, so I think, you know, it's something that sort of ties us all together as women no matter our position in society. So I feel like that's quite important that we do touch on in our podcast. Definitely, I agree with Calvin. I think it's very easy to feel isolated when you're going through things, especially especially in like a society, if you think about the patriarchy, so much of why it still stands today is the feeling of isolating women and making them feel like they're the only ones going through things. And that's never, ever, ever the case. So I think that's kind of partly why we created this podcast, where we created news, why we started with the blog, was that as young women, we finally started talking to each other about some of the things that we didn't understand in society or some of the things we were going through. And it's just some of the injustices that we were thinking about. And it's only because we started talking to more and more women that we decided it was such a universal experience that we had to turn it into something that we could look back on and keep forever in the archives. I know, yeah, I completely agree. I think in sixth form, it was the first time I'd experienced solidarity with other women on that scale. And that is what we wanted to really champion in our podcast. And that's why we, you know, pushed it out to start off with. And it's so reassuring, especially at uni, when my friends have listened to it and they'll come up to me and say, oh, like, I didn't know other people were going through the same thing, or I really want to be part of the podcast. Can you interview me next? And when people get involved, that is so, yeah, reassuring for us. So tell me more about the solidarity that you that made you come together in sixth form. So I remember actually one of the first conversations I had with Harini and with Camille about um, setting up feminist society at school. Um, so essentially we felt like there was quite a gap. Um, we felt like there was not really a space for women's voices to for, for women's issues to be spoken on and for women's voices to be empowered, essentially. And I do remember the conversations we first had, and I think that that sort of drove that sense of solidarity, like that solidarity that we had with one another drove everything else after that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's so funny to look back on because we were so young and we were just starting out in sixth form and it was, well, I had come from a girls' school, I think all three of us did, into a mixed environment and we'd never like been, it was almost like being thrown in the deep end. We'd never seen so many boys around us. And it was it was difficult to to form friendships in that sense. And we we very much stuck together because we were all going through the same thing and feeling those emotions. I think for me, there's two things that, that really come to mind. So when you ask the question, one of them is definitely agreeing with Harini that because we'd all come from all girls' schools for year seven to eleven. I think it's important that we then realise that it wasn't just like the big things to do with feminism and the female experience, it's all the little things as well, whether that's microaggressions or literally just existing as a woman in a predominantly male space. There was so much stuff that we never could have anticipated because we'd never experienced it before. And similarly, the boys coming from an all boys school had never experienced it before. And so I think it really brought into light what women experience on a daily basis can often be just as powerful as just one big thing. And then I think the second thing is that we were, on the one hand, unlucky, and on the other hand, lucky in terms of feminism and pushing ourselves to, to really create this kind of content in that just the time that we were teenagers in, because I think in just in our sixth form years, we were 
there was the whole movement across London and across schools in general with the, the website Everyone's Invited became very, very important. And the whole movement that came around that for so many different colleges and sixth forms talking about sexual harassment, sometimes for the first time in that much of a literal, very down-to-earth way. And then we had, when there was the, the awful murder of Sarah Everard as well, and it brought to light so much of the violence within the Met Police and also just with women, the, the risks that they face living their daily lives. And we've also got COVID and the spikes that that brought in terms of domestic violence. I think we really, we were sick formers in such like a, such a cataclysmic time in terms of history, especially in terms of women. So I think that that's perhaps maybe if we'd been born, I don't know, 10 years earlier or 10 years later, we might not have been brought together in the same way and ended up creating the podcast. But I think there were so many factors that made us come together and just think we have to talk about this. And what's the vision? In, in terms of what? Sorry. In, ter- in terms of what's the vision in terms of where you see this going? Who's who's going to be involved? Who? How are you going to have a ripple effect that's going to come from this? Um, I think a lot of it is about empowering the most marginalised voices, even within the feminist movement. So if we're talking about this whole white, liberal, rich woman feminism that's been broadcast to us our whole lives, um, I think a lot of it is about, you know, empowering women of colour, empowering working class women, empowering transgender women. I think one of our main aims is to make it as intersectional as possible. And that sort of involves empowering those women and empowering their voices, allowing them onto the podcast, allowing them to speak their truth, essentially. I agree with Calvina. And I think one of those things as well is for young women, because we found as as teenagers that they're kind of even though there was a big conversation going on about feminism and that there has been for decades now it's very hard to become involved in it kind of on a professional level if you have things to say it just because you can write a really good article about feminism and sometimes have be very eloquent and have really important opinions doesn't mean you'll ever be published so I think that we wanted to create a space where anyone could actually speak about it and be taken be taken seriously and respected and have people genuinely listen to them yeah, I completely agree with the point about young women because before I came to Six Woman, Six Woman really was the motivation for starting the podcast. But before I entered that environment, I think, yes, I would have considered myself a feminist, but I wouldn't have really known what the term really meant because I'd never faced any sort of injustice. And I was lucky in that sense. I really didn't. But w- lots of women don't know what feminism is at a really young age, as in they don't understand that they're facing injustice. And it's it's unfair, I think, to have women thrown into the deep end and have to go through these struggles for them to come out and unify themselves and so for us it's about creating awareness and being like you know we don't want them to you know enter like a little microcosm of you know bad society for them to feel solidarity or empowerment we want them to feel it from the very start and then they're championing their own voices throughout so it's not like a you feel something bad and then you act on it it's like a preventative measure I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with Harini as well, because I think as a young girl, me personally, a lot of the experiences that I was going through, which was rooted in misogyny and rooted in sexism, I didn't really understand. I was just angry at them happening and there was no like word that I knew about. There wasn't really like, um, of course, like information about feminism has been out there for years. It's not something that's, you know, obscure or anything. But I think something like this is really important for young, young women, especially how the girls mentioned just now, because, you know, sometimes you you do need other young women to relate to, essentially, because a lot of the stuff that 
a lot of us would have learned was from like our older sisters and other young women. So I think it's important to have these voices empowered as much as possible. I 100% agree with Calvina. And I think kind of leading on from that with having female role models, I think that's one of the beautiful things about feminism just as a movement is that like sisterhood never dies. There's always going to be other women, <laughs> older women or the same age as you just going through all kinds of different things. And it genuinely creates such a tight community that we wanted to make sure that everyone was involved in that and felt represented by that because a lot of women don't for very valid reasons that they felt like other people wanted them to be excluded. And we just wanted to make sure that everyone could have the same positive experiences of feminism that we've had because fundamentally there's no official definition of feminism or of sisterhood and therefore it can be very easy to be misinterpreted and I think as teenagers especially as teenage girls everyone kind of goes through different phases of feminism I think and everyone takes them differently but it can be very easy if everyone around you is telling you that feminism is like a dangerous terrible thing that's been taken too far and that women have enough rights and that's it it can be very easy as a young woman and a teenager to be influenced by that and therefore to think that that's to agree with it or to take that as your own opinion even if in five years time you actually end up going completely the other way so I think we wanted to create a safe space to discuss different aspects of feminism and some things that we need to do further some things that we've done well and generally just start that conversation because it's so important to have everyone contributing it yeah and with being so young ourselves and going through those phases ourselves and learning I think it's important that we take other people on that journey so that people can see it's not perfect. You're not born a feminist. You're not born knowing everything about feminism. It, it really is a journey that you, you grow and learn on. And it is about healing. I think for me, growing up, feminism was almost defined by the Free the Nipple campaign. And that was scary because I was just, I was really, I was a kid and I didn't really understand what it meant. And I was just like, it was a big thing that I had seen on the news and I didn't really get it. And that was all that I had pictured in the back of my head when people said feminism. But then there's so many other like little tiny I don't know what the word is, like um, like micro movements as well. It's not just the big, massive struggles that people face. It is the everyday, like we said before, and it's important that young people see that. And I think as well, a lot of it that we grew up with, like the image of feminism was like this whole blue-haired, angry woman who doesn't shave. And it was like a very, I, I don't know, a very impactful image that we were fed because it turned a lot of girls away from feminism and I think a lot of girls would even claim that they weren't feminists when we were growing up at least in my secondary school and it was it was kind of like we had seen things like also Ben Shapiro and all of that destroying the feminist compilation and all of this and it was it to be a feminist was not really seen I think as we were growing up as something innately positive but I think you know, as you unlearn that and as you grow out of it, you you kind of look back on it and you think that was that was basically just ridiculous. So I think it's good to unlearn that and, you know, create a space for other girls to unlearn it, because I can imagine there is still a lot of young girls who do think that way. Yeah. And with it being so scary, like even if you identify as a feminist, the number of times people have said feminazi instead and the word feminist is associated with feminazi and it's scary to be called that and you're like oh I, I don't want to be associated with the negative image that feminists have not feminists but men have painted or feminists and um that it, that is terrifying and it, like Kelvina said it is about unlearning and relearning and it's a really I think on TikTok the new the new term for it is like moving away from dark femininity into like your light femininity energy and like learning along the way 
I definitely agree that it's definitely a a journey because you have to have so much self-confidence as well when it comes down to it to argue why you agree with it because there are so many people like Harini was saying the amount of times that I've been called a feminazi and I'm literally 19 years old like I've, I've not even I've only been able to vote for less than a year and already the fact that politically I believe myself as a feminist means that I'm already getting slurs for it and it and I've literally just arrived at university like I've been a child up until this point and so I think that that's definitely a universal experience for a lot of young women who are feminists and I think it probably always has been since the beginning of the feminist movement so I think it's just it's sad that we're still in that place but I think that's why it's so important that young women are included in in the feminist community of as as early as they want to be because it kind of gives you it gives you protection and more confidence to express your views because they are completely valid but it's very easy especially when you're in a male-dominated school or environment, it's very easy for your voice to be drowned out, especially when you're saying these things. Because at the end of the day, if everyone in the world was a feminist, we wouldn't need feminism. So it's clearly, it's not got to that point yet. So it's always very easy to feel like you're very isolated or the minority, or that you are taking it too far. Like if everyone in the room is telling you that you're being too dramatic, of course, it's very easy to believe that. And it's, it's really sad every time that a young woman does believe that when it's not true. Yeah, and I think the key word there is protection. We just want to shield all the young little girls out there from the harsh realities <laughs> of the world and let them let them grow up in peace and happiness and let them just have a good time. It is protection at the end of the day because it's it's difficult to go out and hear these things being said about yourself and feel like what you're doing is wrong. When Because if you're not be able to express them in a certain way, all you're feeling is anger and that's just so bad for your mental health. And yeah. So you're one of the first generations that has grown up with a, a constant pre presence of social media and you, you've had access to global conversations from a young age. How have you been able to filter out the, as you say, you're talking about protection, how have you filtered out those negative voices and been able to sort of really hone in on the positive messages that you want to share? it's it's taken a long time to get to that stage and it's difficult to see things on social media and not get bogged down by it like even in sixth form like I'd be seeing these awful awful stories even about you know Sarah Everard and stuff like that and I'd be crying I'd be like I don't I don't want to have to experience this and see this every time I open my phone but I think it's it's taken a long time to realize and also filter through my phone as in I've unfollowed all the accounts that I don't think are giving me any happiness or giving me any education that I want but yeah, it takes time. I think it's, again, a journey um, and we will have to go through it and find out what matters to us and what doesn't matter to us and like block out the noise. I definitely agree with Harini. I think, to be honest, I think a way to look at social media and its reaction to feminism is kind of putting the whole world in a blender, essentially. And you really don't know what you're going to get out when you look at your feed on Instagram or whatever other social media is what people use the most. And I think that it's for a lot of people of our generation, it's kind of forced us to grow up quite quickly. And so you have to make these decisions about whether you want your feed to be purely political, which can be very easy to do as a feminist because you want to be involved and you want to be creating change and you want to be able to show everyone that you're creating change and inspire other people. But that does mean that sometimes you will open your phone and every single notification that you're seeing is about all these horrific traumatic events. And it's important that you're aware of them, but it does mean, you know, your own mental health is constantly being affected by that and constantly being reminded of all the atrocities that are happening in the world doesn't make them better as well but I think that's a really hard lesson to learn and you're not it's almost like you're not proud of yourself for making that decision to sometimes unfollow these accounts and try and you know regain a level of normalcy that you kind of almost don't feel like you deserve because 
if you're not going through something, you feel like you should be where the other people are. And it's ultimately, it's an altruistic mindset that a lot of feminists have, and that's why we're part of the movement. But it does definitely take a toll on your mental health just from seeing it. And then obviously there's the negative side of social media in terms of hate comments that you yourself can get for expressing these political views. That again, like, it's just something that's made a lot of teenagers grow up very, very fast, learning to deal with that kind of hate that teenagers shouldn't have to learn how to deal with. You do. Yeah, the growing up fast is a really good point. But also with the podcast, I think that's really helped me in terms of being able to block out the noise because I've had to do so much research on these topics. As in even like looking at my Instagram feed and seeing how many um, images on my socials have filters on them or how many have been edited. I wouldn't have known that unless I'd consciously put in the time and effort to research it. Um, that I fully agree with in terms of um, like airbrushing and how much stuff you see on social media that's completely fake is something that, again, as a generation, we've we've had to learn because those are the images that you're seeing constantly and none of them are real. And so I think it's very important that we learn that to do with airbrushing and Photoshop. And there's kind of, there's a photo going around a lot on social media of the front of different um, magazines uh, that on like kind of sensationalist magazines that have, especially coming into summer because then obviously it's bikini body season and inverted commas. And the shaming of celebrities and just normal women for having normal bodies is something that you so have to unlearn because you don't even realize that suddenly for us, two decades have gone by and the only photos that we've seen of women are online have been fake. And so the older and older you get, that's more and more decades of this fake information that you're being fed that you have to unlearn. I think it goes back to what Calvina was saying about unlearning information that you've been told. It's a very strenuous process sometimes and it can be super draining. Like the burnout you can get just from being on social media is honestly, I think it's very surprising. I think like the girls said as well, a lot of it is about where to focus your energy because there will be a lot of people like especially on TikTok and Twitter the amount of trolls and people who post these like controversial takes that are just they'll ask like do we need feminism things like that questions like that I think in a way detract from the movement because then you're putting all your energy into into telling someone why they should be a feminist rather than we as a group have moved essentially past that we don't need to in my opinion anyway, sit there convincing people, you you should care about women's rights because this, this and this. I feel like it's it's moved beyond that at this point. Like we of course it matters to persuade people into the movement. Of course that matters. But I think a lot of the time people say these things just to put the whole movement down, not because they really want to learn it. So it's a lot of it is about focusing your energy because it will burn you out otherwise. And I think it's we have grown up with social media all the time and that's unlucky, but also I think we're lucky in a sense that We've seen it progress. And I think now there's the whole term like snowflake generation. And that's what we've been branded as. But I think that sensitivity is is important because now people are questioning what they see. And that's become another narrative on social media. You've got almost like the two sides where you're fed these images, but then you're also fed the, the critical analysis of those images. And so we're really able to weigh up the two sides that we see on social media, which is good because we get a holistic image of what what we're consuming means. I think it's interesting what Harini said as well about being the snowflake generation and the silent generation because we're always on our phones and things like that because I'm actually I'm quite interested to see how we turn out as adults like when we come to be like 40 50 60 years old because I think that something with social media is that what it's done is it's polarized a lot of people so I think while I was saying that a lot of us have grown up very fast I think it's also the opposite is true for a lot of other people of our, our age because 
they can now afford to just constantly be in this kind of echo chamber that what you want to see on social media is essentially what you end up seeing. The things that you like, the algorithm will bring you more of that. And you can choose who you do and don't follow, whatever your reasoning is behind it. So I think that while some of us are becoming more and more and more interested in, in politics and changing the world for the better, you can also go down this really dark rabbit hole of constantly being shielded by the anonymity of social media and therefore constantly giving hate into the world for other people who are trying to do a good thing. So I think, well, I, yeah, I'm curious to see how our generation turns out when we're proper adults in inverted commas, like when we're actually middle-aged and have careers and everything and, and how that affects politics, because I want to see if it actually has split us fully polarised um, as much as it currently seems to have done. Yeah, and we're lucky to have found that solidarity early on where we're able to take away the positives of social media and not not fall down that rabbit hole. And that's that's what the podcast really aims to do. And we're trying to spread that message to the rest of the world as well. Tell me about the purpose piece, because you're young, you're you're not even in 20 yet, and you're thinking about future, you're thinking about the purpose in your lives. How much has that been as a result of you? being focused on the podcast and on the rights for women? I think purpose is is so difficult as a concept, as in I know myself, I'm a very goal-driven person. I always need something to uh, like work towards or achieve. And that, I guess, is little purposes along the way that I found for myself, and that's what I work towards. But with feminism and women's rights, it's not something that you can tick in the box and say, yes, I've done that and move on. Like Camille said, it is lots of small battles that you fight every day. And I think that's what makes it really difficult. And that's why it's such a big part of women's identities, because you can't let it go. You're always holding on to it because you you have to, because we live in the patriarchy, but you sort of have to cling on to it. So with purpose, I think that's what makes it difficult. And that is the motivation behind the podcast and being a woman in general. I think I agree with Harini. I'm not sure whether it's us as individuals or specifically being interested in women's rights and that as a kind of political movement. Because I know when I was younger, I think if you ask either of my parents, the thing I probably said the most as a child was when I'm older, even if that is, which I think is the same with a lot of children. So I think we've kind of always had the goal of, of looking ahead as a lot of children do, but we've sort of been forced to maintain that as young women because we've had to see so much stuff that needs changing that it's something that we've kind of never grown out of. And therefore I think that that's a lot of the, the purpose to do with the podcast is that it creates it creates a goal for us and for a lot of other people. Because I think that's part of it as well is that we don't want to create a platform that is just for us. Like the whole point of creating it was for opportunities for other people to get involved as well. So I think that's a big purpose for us in the future is kind of expanding as much as we can, not so that more people recognize us or anything that's kind of futile like that, but just so that more and more people can use it and speak through it and experience or explain their own experiences and things like that. I definitely agree as well. Um, I think a lot of it goes back to what Harini said earlier about protection of like all the young girls out there. I feel like we can all relate when we like think about our younger female cousins or our younger sisters, or we just want them to have a lot of the experiences that we weren't given essentially. So I feel like for me, a lot of it, of course it's, an international thing and it's about all women but a lot of it can come down to the personal as well it's kind of like for your own self for your own family for your own friends your community everyone who's in your life day to day you kind of want to see the woman in that circle doing as best as they can so I feel like that for me is one of my main main motivators as well yeah and I think it's 
also very easy to forget the purpose behind what we're doing and very much like feed into the the struggle and the anger and the negative emotions behind it and that is is hard to find the balance between saying okay these bad things have happened here's how we're going to make it good and that's the purpose and not just feel the bad emotions it's very difficult to I guess move forward from that if that makes sense it does make sense and it it's, uh, it really is as you said it's about the little things and it was about the microaggressions that triggered everything and and now you know you've gone much bigger you you've you've focused on the small things that frustrated you or angered you that caused you to sort of form together in this solidarity but now you're going much bigger picture it's not a case of just fishing people out of the water. It's it's going upstream and finding out who's pushing them in. You know, that that quote. Of, and so what is there a mission behind this? I know there's no end goal. Or is there? For the podcast specifically or for the feminist movement? Yeah. I mean, is this something that you will be championing for a long time? Yeah, for me, I'm never going to stop, I don't think. <laughs> Um, I think because to be honest, even even if, for example, hypothetically, if we achieve gender equality tomorrow, that we still need to recognise everyone who helped fight for it and the sacrifices that everyone's made. So honestly, I think for the rest of my life, I'll be a feminist for sure, without question. And I think that the podcast will definitely, definitely be a big part of that. Yeah, 100%. It's it's something you just can't let go. And once you felt that solidarity and once you felt that sisterhood, it's something you don't want to let go as in it's become such a big part of my life and a big part of my identity that I, yeah, no matter what happens, even if the patriarchy is abolished, which I will be very glad if it is, um, <laughs> I will still hold on to those emotions of being a feminist and feeling the sisterhood. Camille, you mentioned earlier that there was no definition of feminism or of sisterhood. What would your definition be? Mm, that is a tough question. I think for me, the simplest way to explain feminism for people who are feminists already and people who aren't, is just recognizing that in the structures that we have in society globally, women are at a disadvantage. And I think it's recognizing that to begin with, that is actually sometimes the biggest hurdle for a lot of people who've grown up with gender privilege. And it's the desire to overcome those barriers, first of all, and second of all, to abolish them so that no one ever has to jump those hurdles again. And I think to do with sisterhood is very much, it's just very much like a community of people who genuinely want the best for each other. And I think that's why it's important that so many people contribute to it as a movement because everyone has positive things to bring to feminism. And I think, yeah, it's just, it's a form of protection. It's a form of understanding each other. And honestly, just, there, there's a quote about that you should surround yourself with the women who would shout your name in a room full of opportunities. And for me, that is pretty much what the sisterhood aspect of feminism is. It's, it's just having each other's backs all the time. It is just one big family. I love that. So tell me, how could people find your podcast? What's it called? Give us all the information of how they can get in contact with you. Well, the podcast is called News London. They can contact us through our Instagram, which is at N-O-U-S underscore L-D-N at News London. Um, and we've also got a website at www.newslondon.co.uk. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure it goes into the show notes so that people can connect with you there. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Camille, Kavina and Harini. Have you got some final words for the audience, please? And we'll go in that order. Camille first. 
I think my final notes for anyone listening at all who's a budding feminist, whatever age they are, is don't give up. I think it's, I know that that's such like an overused phrase, but it can be so, so, so hard to keep going sometimes when you feel like the whole world is against you. But I think that's the beauty of feminism is that there's kind of like all the silent voices in the background and we will have your back. And even if you don't think that you're creating any change, you are like people are noticing what you're doing and what you're saying and they feel supported by you even when you don't realise it. I'd definitely say it's about staying true to yourself as well. So staying true to your younger self or staying true to the young girl who experienced that trauma, who had those experiences, and to every young girl who can see herself in your image. So I think a lot of it is about, as Kamal said, believing in your cause, staying true to your cause, regardless of what everyone else around you is saying. Yeah, and just to echo the other two, I would just say, don't be scared, step up, use your voice. And then once you've used your voice, just shout louder. Don't stop making noise, because that's what we need in the world. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.